everyone, and welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, hello. I'm here, ready, and uh, it's going to be an inktastic episode. I can feel it in my squid inktastic. bones. Inktastic. Do squids have bones? Ryan, you're saying <laughs> a lot of really weird things right now. <laughs> because I've been playing some pretty weird shit, so just... <laughs> Just to run it out there. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about this? Because I know right. I haven't really played too much of Splatoon 2 recently, but I had been playing a lot of specifically the, the PvP mode, which I found to be actually really, really fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this new expansion, is this single player or is it um, does it do some new things with multiplayer too? So this expansion, the Octo expansion, is primarily single player. It, I would say it's 99% single player, and the multiplayer that is offered is that once you complete it, or at least complete the main point of the expansion, you get to play as an Octoling in multiplayer, which is a, a uh, neat So you get like a, a skin sort of thing for multiplayer? Uh, I think you just, you unlock, like, you know how you have boy inkling and girl inkling, then now you have boy squidling and uh, girl squidling. So there's some more options there in terms of hairstyle and, and look and feel, but it is a, it's a $26 Canadian expansion, $20 US. And I mean, if you're buying it, you're not buying it for the costume. You're buying it for the extra single right, player. Yeah, stuff. obviously. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not, but I probably shouldn't get it. Cause I never did the single player, never really enjoyed the single player. Right. Um, I 100% just PVP did it. Yeah, now, that being said, I might say it's worth thinking about getting the expansion if you did enjoy Splatoon 2, because I think that the campaign, what you, you bounced off it pretty hard, and I, and I did as well, actually, because it felt very, very linear, very simple, you know, very, it was certainly, you know, flashy and fun from what I played, but it was a little, boring's a strong word, but it's a little flat, you know? And that's not what you're looking for. It just in... felt like um, it didn't feel so much like a campaign. It felt mm -hmm. like an extended tutorial. Like I didn't ever find it challenging or difficult necessarily. So mm -hmm. I just kind of moved on. It was like every new level I was trying to play was just like, now we're teaching you this new mechanic so that you can go and play in other modes. And I was like, why don't I just go play those other modes? <laughs> yeah. Well, the the great thing about the Octo expansion, which I have been thoroughly enjoying, uh, is that it's 80 new missions of challenges. These are challenges. They're not like the single player where they're, they're set up similar to the single player where you load up and there's this, you know, kind of floating platform S type stuff. But what's presented to you is a much more challenging effort. So for example, they there's one there's a couple a range of challenges where you have to guide an eight ball through a maze and it, and it kind of there are these different obstacles in your way as you're like shooting at it to make it move and enemies can make it move as well with their ink and it and it's this push and pull that's really interesting. A level that I was doing just before we started recording, it's a single you know, a single run, you have five lives, and if you die, you have to start over. And it's a single run where you're on the uh, the grinders. So basically, the when you jump on these, well, they're grinders, and you jump on them, and you move forward, and you can kind of jump side to side and sort of side jump onto different uh, grinders and stuff. And it's this single run where you're just moving forward, trying to shoot these targets as you're moving on this, like, for forward roller coaster. And it was really, really challenging but also that sounds very really fun. hard. <laughs> yeah, it was very fun though. Like it, it's 
it's it's challenging but fun. It's rewarding, and it's very different from the single player where they're a lot, they're showing you like. Uh, for a really fun one was, hey, you have unlimited jetpack, and you just have to kind of traverse uh, across these floating platforms with the jetpack. And the first one you do of that that ilk is kind of like just moving forward. And you're as you're moving forward with the jetpack, as long as you have something beneath you, you're able to stay up in the air. Uh, and then I did one just recently where there are obstacles in your way now, so they add like a little hop skip uh, to your jetpack. So as you're going forward and trying to avoid this platform in your way, you go around and then you can kind of get an extra burst of of jetpackness. I don't know, like uh, upward momentum. Jetpack juice. <laughs> yeah, you know, upward momentum and then you can kind of like scoot over at the end and and it's just if if the campaign kind of served as this glorified longer tutorial, these octo expansion missions have really taken all the new weapons that they offer you from the DLC over the last year and really give you more reason to practice with them. I find that if the tutorial, the main campaign was just kind of introducing you to the world and the shooting mechanics, this is introducing you on how to shoot, you know, like moving targets and, you know, coordination and, and it's tough. Like they're challenging, but not, not so challenging that you're wanting to, you know, rage quit. Like you do, you don't feel like you're being pushed against a wall and, and your, your head's being bashed in like, you know, some other games that we may have you know played or talked about i was recently. just gonna say that sounds like somebody's a little salty about vampires still which i understand because i think yeah both of us were talking before the show and both of us dropped that game like a hot potato once we hit act four so yeah <laughs> and i and i wanted I, I after that episode i was like you know what this episode is going to be at least from my perspective primarily positive because again i i love nintendo games and i am unabashedly like positive about Nintendo experiences. And I really love the way they're doing DLC. Now, $26 Canadian is a bit high for what they're offering. Well, um, 80 new missions, though. Like, 80 challenges to complete is mm-hmm. a, I mean, big it's a lot chunk of content. Of content. Yeah, I yeah. mean, depending on how quickly it takes you to do them. Like, I... even if you did, like, one minute each, that's still an hour and a half of content, and there's no way that it only takes a minute <laughs> to, to do each of these challenges. I've so been dying. I feel like that's enough entertainment. Yeah, no, I mean, yes, like, the the value of it is is there, and, and it's just, it's hard to put it, like, if you're not used to the campaign of Splatoon 2, you're like, 80 missions, like, how much is that? Like, and it is it is quite a bit when you when you load in the map. So the way it works is you're you're in Octoling, you wake up, you've you you don't know where you are, but you're in this underground and you're you're on this train and you have to complete these, you know, missions along the train tracks as you're traversing on the train to go to the surface. That's the promised land, right? That's where you're trying to go. And you have this little holographic phone thing that displays your UI and there's just a bunch of these lines, you know, uh, lines as in like train lines. And you're doing missions at trying to find, they call them the four things, but really it's just like, you need to find these four things to progress to the, to the final, <laughs> final boss, which I, you know, you got to appreciate. It's just like, I don't know, just find the four things. And you know, this way you don't have to do all 80 missions. You just have to do like whatever you want. So there is, there's a path that you can take. You don't have to complete all the missions to get the four things. You can just beeline it to, once you discover a line, it'll tell you like, oh, one of the four things is here. And there are many mm. paths to take to get there, depending on what missions you really enjoy. Personally, 
I haven't been enjoying the destroy all the balloons missions because I find the balloons move way too quick for my reflexes. You know, <laughs> so if I wanted to, if I go old into that man mission, Ryan. <laughs> yes, if I go into that mission, I can say like, oh, that's a balloon one, and I'm an old man, so I'm going to take a different path to get to that thing, because that's your main goal is to collect the things, not defeat all the missions. Although every mission you defeat, you get a little memento, and there are perks to collecting all of those from what I've what I've gathered. But yeah, it's uh, it's kind of delightful, and it's really awesome to see you know some characters come back from the first one. They've introduced some new characters, so there's some fun there, and there's just it's got great writing. You know, there's there's some uh, chat logs that you sort of unlock as you go, and it's the two squid sisters talking to the old man from the first one. It's pretty entertaining, <laughs> and it's just fun. Honestly, I think that if, if you're looking to jump back into Splatoon 2 and you haven't played in a while, you're, you're going to be greeted by all the new multiplayer stuff they've added. Uh, but also this DLC just gives you an excuse to, you know, play offline for a little bit and, and enjoy some challenges. So I've, I've really, I've really been enjoying it. And you're right, like 80 missions is quite a bit. And I found that I haven't quite hit that, that cap yet of, of wondering, like they keep throwing new stuff at me, you know, even if it, it appears that each line has a set sort of type of mission. So there's like some mm-hmm. eight ball challenges where you have to They're guide like the themed, eight ball. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, some of them are really fun and, and some of them can be a little frustrating, but it's just about learning the pattern and then eventually you, you unlock it pretty quickly. But uh, it's really a skill tester. I was impressed that they kind of, I mean, this is typical Nintendo. Like they give you in the main game, sort of the experience akin to any sort of Nintendo campaign and then in the DLC, they're like, well, only people are going to buy this that really, really want to play more of this. So we can put kind of a ratcheted up level here. Mm-hmm. And they really have. They've <laughs> Some of these are, 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 it's a good kind of challenging. It doesn't feel cheap. It feels like they're testing your skill and it's not, it's not like Dark Souls level. It's kind of like a like a portal it's not as good as portal but it, you know how you feel with portal like oh my god i can't figure when this you out. finally solve it and get yeah. it right yeah this is no i'm not comparing this to portal but it's the one thing that jumps into my mind is like that it feeling. has the same feeling yeah but it's not <laughs> when as you complete great it as por- nothing not nothing much is ever as will be as great as Portal. <laughs> i know and valve understands that so they've you know decided not to make any games but uh, yeah, I really, I've really been enjoying playing Splatoon two again. And maybe, hey, maybe once I unlock that Octoling, I'll, I'll get back in there. But they've, the developers have pretty much announced that this is, there's going to be no more expansion like this for Splatoon two. This is kind of what we're getting. But they did say once the Nintendo uh, paid service launches, they'll re, they'll double down on more multiplayer content for Splatoon two. So that's. That's kind of, which is what you want to hear, right? Like, hey, I'm charging you $30 a year for this service. The first thing they say is There's going to be a reason for that. (laughs) Exactly. It's, I mean, we'll see. It's just like comments on a, you know, on a a news website. So we'll see whether it comes to fruition. But it is exciting to, to see Nintendo looking at single player content as well as, because that's what they should do. Sell us the single player content and give us the multiplayer content because you don't want to split that user base with multiplayer content. And I, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's really important for games like like Splatoon 2 and and any first-person shooter for that matter. So, yeah. I mean, if you want to play more Splatoon 2, it's certainly uh, an option. This is a great expansion. They've really nailed it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So you've also gone back to something that we played, like, 
I feel like it was a couple of years ago now, but uh, Darkest Dungeon. So I don't think I ever got very, very far into this one, but mm -hmm. it was a really fun concept when I first started it. So has it changed very much? Yeah, so Darkest Dungeon was a game that I played maybe three to four hours of when it first launched, and, and I really, really loved the look and feel of it. And and then I kind of has dropped... a really cool, really cool art style. Oh my god, the art style is a darker kind of clay style of art, like you know, drawn or not drawn together. Uh, don't starve, you know, mm. those types of games, but just darker tones, dark like harsher edges, just very like very noir. I love how there's something that could be like darker than children starving in a forest. <laughs> There's some shit in this game, man. And uh, I basically, on the Steam Summer Sale, I'm like, you know what? Buy all DLC. Let's do this. And I just, I filled my cart with DLC for Darkest Dungeon because they actually just launched a brand new, I wouldn't call it expansion, but an addition to the game called The Color of Madness. And it's really neat because The Color of Madness adds a new color, which is blue, because the palette is like black and, and brown and gray and red beforehand mm -hmm. now there's this like rich blue that that is on uh, in this mode and it really stands out and really looks cool um but i didn't buy it just for the color you know even though <laughs> it, it kind of livened up the place uh it's it's a really neat addition but it's like super punishing i don't yeah. know what it is about this week but uh i've i've been really playing games that have been testing my skill but in a good way i feel like in darkest dungeon they set it up in a way where when you fail and your characters die, you don't get game over. You just lose those characters, which sucks. Don't get me wrong, but they're constantly. That's why it's been. I've seen so many people actually making this like uh, or streaming this because mm -hmm. then you can like name the characters, and so they'll name them after people in the chat room and stuff. And then it's like, oh no, Rip Ryan, no. <laughs> and that's <laughs> and there's yeah. that extra level of like connection to the characters so yeah like it's a good stream streaming type uh like xcom as well but yeah in this when you when you die like you don't you don't really you don't really lose out on anything like you just unless you had a, a really high level character that you lost but it, it's just it's really I found that when they died, you just go get and get more from the stagecoach and then you just progress further. It, it didn't feel like you would get a game over, you know, um, you might just have to grind a little bit, you know, just to, to get back up there. But uh, either way, I, I had the Crimson Court, which was an expansion that came out late last year. But when I booted up the game to play recently, it said like, hey... Crimson Court adds a lot to the game, really tough stuff. You might want to come back to this once you've played a bit with the base game. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, I can I can dig that. And honestly, Color of Madness is the new one, which is what I wanted to try, really. So I jump in with Color of Madness, and it's basically a, uh, a single-layer sort of dungeon where this farm has been infected by a meteor, and then everyone's an alien meteor, and everyone's turned into these, like, ghost things. So you're going in there and the, the objective is to kill, you know, to fill this bar by killing enemies and surviving as long as you can to to complete the quest. And over the course of a couple hours of playing, trying to get into it, I was only able to, to finish it once. But again, it was one of those things where you're learning the mechanics of each character and they're all very mm. complex and you're you're learning best strategies on how to survive and stuff. And finally you finish it. And it's that it's that good feeling of of achieving something. 
you know, but it didn't feel like it was really, really, uh, it was still something you could accomplish. Exactly. It was a good feeling of accomplishment because it's like, okay, when I died the first couple of times, it's like, Hmm. Yeah. This is definitely me, not the game because the game is presenting (laughs) me with these tools to finish the job and I'm just not using them in the right order or, you know, protecting the right guys. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was really fun. And honestly, the Color of Madness uh, expansion is only like six bucks Canadian. So it's a very mm. it's a very inexpensive. Is that the thing. summer sale price or is that that's the full price? Always price. Yeah. <laughs> the always the price. The always price. You the the standard <laughs> offer. Um, it is it is a smaller edition. Like I said, it appears to be one mode, like where you're going into the farm, and and maybe it gets more difficult and more difficult. But it is the same amount of enemies. It's a randomly generated challenge of how many enemies you need to kill to progress and get out of there. Uh, And they also add, I haven't really gotten into all the extra stuff of Darkest Dungeon with like, you know, healing people and upgrading your buildings and buying stuff. But they add a new vendor for all the meteor shards that you collect. So there is a new aspect there to to improve the power of your characters. Um, So that is in there and that's that's a lot of fun. But yeah, small addition. Uh, at six bucks Canadian, like it's it's a very cool way to sort of inject some extra fun into your darkest dungeon, you know, gameplay. And if you haven't, if you don't have any of the other DLC, you could just add. There's a bundle option to upgrade you to the ancestral ancest, ancestral edition, I think it's called. And uh, yeah, I paid like that ten bucks. Just gives you everything. Yeah, it just gives you everything. And I and I got the soundtrack, and that was a little weird listening to that. <laughs> that today. always makes you happy. <laughs> yeah, the soundtrack was like three bucks, but like they give you everything, even the music for the new expansion too. So that was exciting, and that music is kind of it's it's not so depressing that you wouldn't want to listen to it outside of the game, <laughs> but it's darn close. Like it's some pretty dark stuff. It feels like you're walking through like an edgy Tim Burton film, you know, like, mm. but it's like, it's upbeat, but it's not really, it's not, it's not really great music to listen to while you're trying to work. Cause everything's like, Oh, mm. when are the demons coming? But <laughs> it, it's interesting music. It's really well done. So I don't know. I, I've been really digging darkest dungeon and uh, it's a fun sort of layback and, because it's all turn-based, right? So there's no, like, pressure to choose your, your next No quick-time events. No, no quick-time <laughs> events. It's it's a nice break from from the Octo expansion in Splatoon 2 because it's, like, mm. it's a little more laid back, you know? Less reaction time, more yeah. puzzle-solving. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's still devastating when one of your characters goes mad and starts, like, I don't know, <laughs> stealing shit. That seems to be what, the, what I get all the time is when my character goes mad. He's like, I'm going to be a kleptomaniac now. It's like, great cool well <laughs> just loot everything i guess i hope it's a trap and it bites your hand off which did happen so, that's awesome yeah i need to get back into that you should game. and the, the dlc is really worth uh, the price of admission i think very cool um i haven't played too too much this week like we uh, mentioned a little bit earlier both of us kind of dropped vampire i basically uh beat the boss by going back and respecking and then choosing the single target ultimate that then only took me three hits to defeat her. So mm. it ended up being a kind of a trivial boss fight only because like I knew it was potentially going to be hard and you told me about the respecking thing. So I went and changed everything very specifically for that fight and then it wasn't so bad. But um, it wasn't that fight that turned me off. It was like 
at that point in the story, it really kind of took a turn. And I don't remember this happening. Maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention. But after you finished Act 1 and Act 2, um, I don't ever remember it having like a cinematic type thing. And all of a sudden at the end of Act 3, there was like this cinematic thing. And then I felt like the story took like a 90 degree turn. Um, and it was kind of odd. Hmm. But I was just like, okay, whatever. Um, and then, so you go to a new part of town, and then uh, literally, even though I'd made the decision to, um, again, in preparation for the, the big fight that Ryan warned me about, um, I went and ate a bunch of citizens, leveled up, I think, three levels or so. Oh. Um, and then, uh, so I was at, like, level 19, I guess, going into Chapter 4, and then everybody in the streets was, like, level 28 and 29, so I was, like, not able to even get anywhere. I was getting one shot by things, and I was, like, running out of stamina because I was just dodging constantly. And I was like, oh, man, this isn't really all that fun. So I kind of took a couple more steps through the story, and I found a couple of interesting locations. But then as soon as I got sent on my first kind of, like, quest with a boss in it, in that zone... I was just like, yeah, okay, this is really, really dumb, and and I don't understand how I'm supposed to be, unless I'd eaten everyone I'd come across, I don't really know how I'm supposed to be level 28 at this point. So, um, yeah, drop that like hot potato. Mm. <laughs> but um, what I have been playing a lot of this week is uh, World of Warcraft, and this is because we are in the kind of last six weeks or so of the Legion expansion. So Battle for Azeroth comes out on August 14th, and before every new expansion, they do a pre-patch. And this pre-patch is going to be taking Ashran out of the game. Which makes me very, very sad. Because if you guys have been following Gamers In, if you've been following For Azeroth, which is my Warcraft-specific podcast, which means I'm also not going to talk forever about World of Warcraft <laughs> because I already do that once a week. So not going to like totally spoil everything we'll be talking about on Faz tomorrow. But um, where they're taking Ashran out of the game, it's this like... Um, non-stop no winner push and pull zone in world of warcraft and um i played so much of it and it was introduced in warlords of draenor and i played so so much of it and there are uh i have two nemesis quests left which is kill 500 of one of the enemy races so i still have to kill uh 200 more worgen and then 500 draenei and then i'm done and then i'll have all my ashran feats of strength so oh. um that's kind of what I was doing. I wasn't feeling very well this weekend either. So I just kind of like sat down and like turned off my brain and just like played a bunch of Ashran. And uh, it's it's still really, really fun. It's one of my favorite things in the game. Although it's almost like because there's no end and because you can just kind of like log in and play for eight or ten hours at a time, I feel like it's very much been figured out at this point. So um, there's less like exploration and more like Almost like you're playing the battleground on rails now because it's like everyone goes to this place and then this thing happens and then we know the next thing we have to do is go to this place and then this thing happens and you know like it just it's very much like a loop almost that uh, if you get the timing right and you're winning battles then you know there's not a whole lot of variation to it which is kind of unfortunate because I feel like it was there were some decisions to be made before everyone at all like kind of figured things out plus they did some balancing and stuff so mm. anyways. I did a whole lot of Ashran, but the reason that I wanted to talk about it specifically today 
was because they did activate a quest line in World of Warcraft. So if you guys have been out of WoW for a while, and especially if the artifact system kind of turned you off, um, they activated a quest in WoW now where you can actually go and you do a thing that starts the process of basically replacing or destroying your artifact weapon. So this is how they're kind of like moving forward into Battle for Azeroth, but no one has their artifact weapons anymore. We knew they were going to be retired. The quest is in the game now. But what it does is it basically like superpowers your artifact weapon and puts you basically at like max artifact power. So you are just ridiculously powerful for the next like two weeks or so in the game. Uh So uh, for the next like two weeks, everyone who's done these artifact quests is going to be like super overpowered. And um, so it's a very, very small window to do some of the things like um, complete the mage tower, which has some really cool transmog appearances tied to it for Mm. your artifacts. Um, You can go and like finish raids if you haven't like yet killed Argus and stuff like that. So if you dropped out of the game, any time in the last year or so, now would be the time to jump back in and like finish up all your stuff for Legion because uh, a lot of it's going to be removed. Like, like I said, Ashran's going to be removed, the Mage Tower's going to be removed, all the achievements and mounts and stuff tied to killing the final raid boss at heroic or higher difficulty. That stuff's going to be gone too. So, um, why are they removing if any it? of that? Is, is there a reason they're removing it? Um, they are revamping PvP, mm-hmm. and Ashran doesn't really fit in their new PvP model, at least in the current state. So we might see it come back eventually, but basically what they're doing is they're kind of grouping all the bigger battlegrounds into one pool and all the smaller battlegrounds into another pool. And because Ashran never has a winner, they're like, well, it doesn't really fit into either one of our buckets, so mm-hmm. we're just going to take it out and retire it. Um, they said they might bring it back eventually, but when they bring it back, it won't have the same set of achievements. Oh, um, well, that's, yeah. So you got to get in there if that's something you're looking to collect, right? Especially exactly. if you have two more, you might as well go all in, Yeah, right? I, I am so close. And I had like 30 Worgen killed when I started playing this weekend, and now I'm up to like 330. So I killed like 300 Worgen this weekend, guys. <laughs> that's what they get, really. <laughs> I know, They had it coming. Damn Gilmans. Um, I know. Yeah. Gray man. I know what you've done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Papers. So, what? And then the reason that they're taking out, um, they're not taking the raids out of the game, but what they're doing is they're um, making the achievements feats of strength mm. because there are um, specific, in some cases, titles, in some cases, titles and mounts, in some cases, just a mount. But um, there's content tied to it that's supposed to be like i did this at level without any kind of help sort of thing which i do find funny that they haven't already gotten rid of cutting edge and ahead of the curve because uh now that i just mentioned the the whole like super powering your weapon thing is in the game and i feel like that might be cheating a little bit and maybe they should have made ahead of the curve and the mythic kill which i think is cutting edge um, I think they should have made those achievements uh, feats of strength before they allowed people to superpower their weapons, but it is allowing a few people to, you know, get the mounts they wouldn't have otherwise gotten and whatever. But anyways, yeah. that's going to be out of the game, but that happens every time there's a new raid tier, so there's always um, ahead of the curve and cutting edge achievements for killing the bosses, like, while they're at your level sort of thing. Right. Um. So those were kind of expected to go away when the new expansion comes out, and then... 
as far as the Mage Tower goes, it's kind of the same idea as Ahead of the Curve, as Cutting Edge Achievements, is in that um, the scenarios that you go into are built for your spec specifically. So, like, um, I did it three times on my Hunter in all three Hunter specializations to get three different artifact achievements or artifact appearances. And all three of those scenarios, even though I do damage on my hunter, all three of those scenarios were all different. Hmm. So there, I know there are some specs that share the same scenario. I'm not 100% sure how many scenarios there are in total, but um, I think there's like two different tanking ones and two or three different healing ones and then a whole bunch of different damage ones. So hmm. um, it was fun and interesting, and I really enjoyed it. So uh, if you guys haven't done it, then uh, now is the time to try it. Because, again, it's supposed to be the same sort of thing. Like, I am very good at my specific spec. Here is my proof. I get this cool transmog, and I can show it off to all my friends. So hmm. if they left it active, that would mean that, like, when I hit 120, when Battle for Azeroth comes out, I could go back and do the 110 content and just, like, one-shot everything. Yeah. And then it's not really, like, an achievement. No, no, no. It's just a checkbox. Which, I mean, yeah. is, there's a lot of checkboxes in WoW, and... <laughs> and uh, if it's going to be something that that remains an achievement and doesn't get up or downgraded to just, you know, you, you flick it over and it's done. Um, yeah, so Battle for Azeroth launches August 14th. Obviously, yeah. um, for Azeroth, you and, and uh, Manny are going to be counting down the days. And, that, yes. <laughs> and everyone should go listen to that show if you're looking for a deep dive on, on WoW, you know, news and, and, we do. and everything. Yeah. We do a very, very deep dive now. We have a hard time keeping the podcast, which is weekly, to like under three hours. What? So three hours? <laughs> three hours. Oh my uh, gosh. We cover we cover news, we cover all of the like classes and everything else. We cover everything quite in depth. And then we do um a community resource section, which is Good. like uh talking about add-ons, talking about websites to, you know, places to find information. Um, ways to gear up, like all that kind of stuff. So we have a the community section. Then we do uh, lore. So obviously that's my favorite part. <laughs> Always kind of has been. Um, but yeah, we usually um, we've moved away from like storytelling and more into discussion, which right. is why sometimes the shows can get pretty long because we're sitting there talking about like theory crafting or like our opinions on events that have happened in WoW and stuff like that. So um, we try to highlight like lesser known events and lesser known characters and things like that um outside of like the big major events because mm -hmm. a lot of the other stuff can get skipped over so well, um we've been exciting. doing a lot of like theory crafting about like what is coming later on in battle for azeroth so uh that's been really fun and then after we do lore then we do emails so Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's it ends up being quite a long show, but uh, but it's really, really fun. I really, really enjoy it. So if you guys are interested in World of Warcraft at all, then uh, yeah, do go and check out For Azeroth, which actually you can find on TGIstudios.com slash for hyphen Azeroth. So mm. you guys should uh, should go and check that out. You should check out TGIstudios.com, period, because there's a lot of really cool projects from both Ryan and I over there. So. Yeah. Yeah, there needs to be another project added, but I think I need to take a vacation first. <laughs> and uh, Fair a co-host of mine who's actually recording another podcast right now needs to figure out, we need to figure out schedules. But yeah, no, I'm I'm excited that you're excited to, to be able to record. Like, you know, it really shows a person's passion when you're able to, to talk about a single topic for 
for three hours, you know, uh, <laughs> every week. Every week. <laughs> and a lot of people, including myself, will say, like, what is there to do or talk about in, in World of Warcraft? Leading up to an expansion, obviously, we're going to get more. And I personally, you know, I, I remember with Legion, I, I jumped in maybe the month the, the the month they added the the pre patch, you know, when they mm-hmm. I think it was Demon Hunters. With the invasions. Yeah. Yeah. And and Demon Hunters came in, I think, early. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were available early. So what's early for for you know while we're talking about it, what's early <laughs> for uh, Battle for Azeroth? Because I haven't pre ordered yet, so I know like Cardinal Sin here, but. Yep. I don't know if we can be friends anymore. <laughs> well, I, you know, convince me, convince me to be friends again. <laughs> Let's figure this out. Well, uh, it's kind of tough for you because I know like when you quit so I am positive that you're going to be you won't even have met two of the factions that are involved and I'm fairly certain that you're not going to be exalted with the other factions that are involved Mm. but um, the allied races are the kind of new addition ahead of the expansion this time so basically what they did was they created new races in world of warcraft and um some of them went over to the alliance side some of them went over to the horde side and it was kind of like the beginning this like race to convince these different factions to join the alliance or the horde is kind of the beginning of the real tensions on azeroth when it comes to like everything leading into these two factions like going to war finally so Hmm. Um, yeah, there's a uh, high mountain tauren. So they're basically uh tauren, but they've got like big moose antlers. They're pretty cool looking. That's a win. Uh, and, and then, uh, the nightborn, which are the, uh, elves who are from Suramar joined the horde. Then the, um, light forged draenei and the void elves that you meet there at the very kind of end of legion. Um, they both join the alliance. So there's that. And then there's some new races that are coming in later on. Uh, there's the Maghar orcs that are coming for the horde. There's the Kulterans coming for the alliance. There's the Zandalari trolls, which I'm very excited about, but apparently they're not coming until like halfway through Battle, of, Battle for Azeroth. But uh, the Zandalari trolls are coming. Hmm. And I know I'm missing an alliance race, but I can't for the life of me remember what it is because they've very much like paired them off. Like if Horde gets one, Alliance gets one and vice versa. So I know that there's one for the Magar orcs Mm -hmm. that um, like not counteracts that, but you know, like the Alliance have an equivalent that's coming at the same time as the orcs. And I just can't remember which one it is. But uh, yeah, so that's exactly. So that's kind of the, um, the like, new thing because we're not getting any new uh classes in battle for azeroth but uh but we're getting so many new races and all of the races have like a racial passive or racial spell or whatever Hmm. and so like they're pretty much full-on races but they have a quest line involved in unlocking them and part of the quest is you have to be exalted with their factions to to have access to the quest and then there's these like story pieces talking about like either convincing them to join your faction or helping them or whatever, solving a problem in order to get them to join your faction. So Okay. It's uh it's actually it's it's neat that they've put that they've tied it into some lore. So, so the allied races that's are kind available. of the new thing. Yeah, they're available. The allied now. races are available now. Yeah. So when uh, Battle for Azeroth launches, I won't have to be exalted. I'll be able to to roll an add. Oh no, you still have to be because they're tied to lore, 
the whole idea is that you have to go and um, solve the problems of the group in order for them to then be able to leave their homes and join the war, hmm. basically. This is going to be a controversial topic, but getting too exalted is dumb and takes a long time. Is that still the case? Uh, with World Quest, not so much. Um, mm. I found that I got too exalted with the two new factions in Legion um, that came at the end of the expansion. I got there pretty quickly. Um, between the mission table that you're at, that you're able to use from your mobile app, okay, and uh, between and World Quest as well, I found um, it was it was fairly quick. I still miss being able to run dungeons because, like, right. I would just spam dungeons until I was exalted if I had that choice. And the world quests kind of, they're basically glorified dailies, so they slow you down a little bit. Mm -hmm. But So, like, how quick is is quick? Like, you know, like, how quick? Uh, if you're really, really working at it, and if you're, like, signing in every day and making sure that you're doing your world quests, then I, it might take you a week. Hmm. Hmm. It's not so bad. I remember in Frozen Throne, I got exalted to, to buy a dragon mount. And I was like, all right, never going to do that again. <laughs> never again? Because <laughs> it was it was dungeons. It was dailies. It was uh, mm -hmm. it was brutal. Uh, but obviously with world quests and, and the, you know, spamming the, the stuff on the phone has, has made that a lot easier. And I, I super appreciate that Blizzard's done that. I, I just... Yeah, it's weird to see it locked behind being exalted. Like, I, I, I think it still could be, like, a quest line without having to be exalted, but maybe maybe uh, it's just not... I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I think I those races, it would be really cool to play a Moose Torrent. I think that would be neat. Mm -hmm. So, you know, <laughs> I would really like to do and, that. Well, and the other thing is, too, um, all of the questing that you do in High Mountain will give you rep towards high, the High Mountain Torrent, right? So... I if you actually go and do all the questing in the zone and then if you're doing the world quests on a fairly regular basis like I feel like just questing through the zones I ended up like revered most of the way through revered like if you've done your questing you might be further along than you think I probably am I did a lot of legion when it launched so um yeah yeah I remember the moose and part. once you once you um unlock it with one character then it's just like it's available on your account then oh, so. yeah. that's a nice quality of life and they, they've really gotten yep. better at that in in recent expansions so yeah i need to look into it i personally i i'm more interested in sort of the the forward momentum of the story i usually catch mm. the first couple of uh you know the first sort of foray into the expansion and then i sort of take a step back and, and i'm able to digest it through podcasts and, and news stories and such as as patches hit and, and uh, raids hit but yeah i'm excited that's coming up sooner this summer you know it's already the end of june uh this summer's gonna fly yeah. by i lost june completely yeah it just was a month that did not exist for me so <laughs> i spent the entire month just you know focusing on one single event and now that it's over i'm just like what do I do now? What do I do with my hands? Like, yeah. I got to work and I'm just like, That's I feel the same. Yeah. What do I do? With, what do I do? Uh, you know, and you know, you know, you never say that out loud at work because then someone's like, oh, here yeah. you go. <laughs> you know, uh, but <laughs> have all of my work. then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was weird. But now I'm starting to get back into it. And, and I think, you know, it's funny to say, but I think July and August will be quieter. There'll be, you know, there's a lot of DLC coming out. There's a lot of littler games coming out. So I'm excited to try some 
some little things. And yes, I will be going on vacation. I haven't I haven't picked a date yet, but it's happening. By gum, and I'm going to play some video games, and I'm going to spend time with the family. It's going to be great. I mean, I'm going to spend time with the family, and I'm going to play video games. <laughs> In that order. <laughs> no specific order, but I know there are going to be people like, yeah, that write in and be like, oh, you should have said family first. Come on now, Ryan. You're better than that. <laughs> No, I'm excited. You're excited for WoW, and I and I I will pick up that expansion, and we will play for a bit. You'll see me log in, and you'll be like, "What? What the f?" And then uh, and then you won't see me for like forever, for like a year and a half. That, yeah, that's how I, I roll. know. I I am aware of the Ryan cycle now. <laughs> <laughs> I have to play it because it's like I've been playing that MMO since I was in high school, and I and I just I have to keep checking in on it. It's kind of at this. It's like a tradition now at this point, and I'd feel weird if I skipped an expansion. I can't not play <laughs> well the other thing you should actually do because i mean i know you have um a max level horde character but i'm not sure if you have a max level um oh alliance character filthy alliance <laughs> i like totally yeah i totally blanked on the name of the other faction which is so bad um but yeah you actually should see if you either have a max level alliance character or um like you'll have a boost with your um expansion purchase right and just it i think with this expansion more so than any other one before you kind of if you want to if the reason that you play is to see the story then you're going to want one on either side because they have totally different leveling zones like uh horde goes to the zandalari islands and um the alliance go over to kulteris like they're totally separate they have different stories there's some crossover once you, um, like a little bit later on, once you finish some quest lines, then the Horde goes over to Kulteris and vice versa with the Alliance. But even then, when you're on the opposing faction's island, you're at war. You're not playing through necessarily the same events. You're not playing through the same quest lines, as opposed to Legion, where everyone had the same questing experience. Like, the story of Azuna was the story of Azuna, period. So uh, this one, I think more than anyone before has two different stories to be experienced and would be worth having two separate characters, one on the Horde side, one on the Alliance side, if you play for story. Mm. Um, if you're kind of like me and you have like, you're super tied to a faction and you very much enjoy that faction and only care about that side of the story and, you know, want to go super hardcore into one character, then obviously don't waste a boost over on the opposing faction side. But if you're interested in the story of Warcraft, I think this expansion is worth having a character on either side of the lines. Yeah, I haven't felt like the story in World of Warcraft has has mattered to 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 each individual faction like like this one. Like I think if you work your way backwards you know, Legion, of course, United Front, uh, you know. Yeah, Legion is is probably, like, Battle for Azeroth feels like the polar opposite to Legion because, like, we came out of Legion, first of all, we were all working together. Second of all, we had our order halls. Our order halls were neutral territory, and every single paladin was in there, every single hunter, every single priest, regardless of whether you were Alliance or Horde. So it was, like, totally neutral all of the time. Like, no, there was no Alliance Horde, um, like, fighting the way that there's going to be and i don't even remember the last time the alliance and horde would have been like on such opposing sides yeah. like yeah it'll be interesting going all see. the way back to like vanilla maybe with like terran mill south shore like that kind of stuff mm -hmm. like 
I mean, even I'm not even 100% sure who the bad guy was in Vanilla, to be honest. So uh, uh, Nix. No, was it Nixia and or I guess like, um, yeah, it was Nixia. Like Ragnaros. Oh, was it was that? Yeah. Uh, Ragnaros. Like Blackrock Mountain. Yeah. Type stuff. Dragons. Blackwing Layer. Molten. Molten. Uh, I can't. Molten remember. Core. No, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't play it that time, so I don't know, guys. <laughs> I never got that far. I don't know. I started a dwarf and I shot some stuff, and it was like some cool music and some huge valleys. Like it was in the you know when Warcraft when World of Warcraft started, it was the it was the it was the epic setting of like oh my god, I'm playing this game with thousands of other people, and and there's this mm, huge yeah landscape. that was the big thing. And yeah. you know, but uh, Burning Crusade, Wrath of the Lich King, those are all sort of like. They had their their individual starts, but if you're saying this one, it might be worth having alliance carry. I think I have a couple boosts, you know, and and I don't have an alliance character I'm willing to kind of play because I have a night elf rogue, I think, and that just feels mm. wrong. So I don't <laughs> I don't really want to do that. No offense to our night elf fans, um, I just don't. I, I play a blood elf, so I think I've got enough elf, you know, going on. <laughs> so. I don't know. Maybe I'll try something new. I always think about trying something new in an MMO, but when you boost, it's like suddenly you have this 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 character with a bunch of powers and you have no idea what to do with them so um. well the other thing that you can actually do now which um i can't remember when they added it to the game but it's like recently ish mm -hmm. like legion or so possibly in late warlords of draenor but i think it was a legion thing um anyways you can actually try a class now before you use your boost Whoa. so when you're creating a character you can like try a max level version of it and play around and see if you like it before that, you commit your boost that is a really neat feature that is new yeah new for me so i will check yes. that out yeah we have talked long enough about world of warcraft <laughs> i have a whole other like i mentioned whole other podcast that is dedicated to world of warcraft so we have talked enough about it on gamers and um we have a patron ad this week from simon who says weekly news desk with podcast all about the geek news this week you can join your two knucklehead hosts andrew and simon as they keep you informed on movies tv video games and books you find them on iTunes or at weeklynews.com. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you too can head on over to patreon.com slash thegamersin. And don't forget to join our community discord at bit.ly slash TGI discord to join in all of the fun conversations we're having over there. Particularly if you're a fan of Fire Emblem Heroes, there's a very, very active community over there uh, talking about that game. It's like way over my head. I don't even know most of the words they're using, but... <laughs> It's a very active discussion, so they must be making good points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we have a whole podcast dedicated to. So check over, yeah. uh, well, tgistudios.com. You'll find a link to Summoner's Call there. But yeah, the Discord uh, is is hopping. There's always people in there talking. So depending on your favorite thing, it's probably being discussed. So check it out. Uh, yeah, I have a good time there. Sometimes I can't keep up. I have a busy day at work and I don't get a break. And I look at it, it's like, oh, okay, well. Let's tuck in, boys. <laughs> 200 new messages. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's exciting times. Uh, so that brings us to our topic of the week this week, or I guess this one's more kind of news, kind of a topic, somewhere in there. But uh, Sony has finally commented on crossplay, very, very specifically on Fortnite. So um, this was, uh, forgive me, I don't remember what the actual event was, but basically they finally got called out because they were talking about how they are uh, very much like just player focused and players this and players that. And then uh, one of the reporters stood up and said, hmm, 
Hmm, interesting you say you're about the players because the players would very much like to play Fortnite against each other. And mm -hmm. uh, do you have any plans to do this? What's going on? Because you don't seem to be listening to the players. Um, so the response from Sony basically was that they are looking at possibilities <laughs> that they hear the fans mm -hmm. um, and they're looking at ways to uh, or they're trying to figure out what to do, essentially. And I don't know, Ryan, how did you feel about this? <laughs> so I can't remember if we talked about it on the show, but at E3, they announced Fortnite was coming to Switch. The Battle Royale mode was coming to Switch. Well, well is out on Switch. Yeah. So it's all cross-play. I uh, purchased Fortnite. Uh, we got a review code for uh, Zombie Date My Podcast when it was, was not Battle Royale. It was a zombie game, funny right. enough. And uh, so I had that code, and I think I upgraded my account, so I got some additional stuff. And it's on the PC. That's where I bought it. That's where mm -hmm. I activated it. I uh, Over Easter long weekend, my sister-in-law came over and was like, do you have Fortnite? So I thought, hey, this might be a good opportunity to load it on the PS4 and see how it goes. The second you log into your Epic account on a PS4 is the second your account is locked on all restricted platforms. So... The fact is, when it launched on Switch, I was like, oh, I can't wait to try this. You know, I might actually play Fortnite Battle Royale and try it out on a different platform, take it out on the go. And I load it up, and it's like, you can't log in. You have to create a new account because your profile is locked to another platform that has restricted, you know, platforms. So, like, if you even play one game with your Epic account on your PS4, you're not going to be able to play with that account on the Xbox One or Switch. You'd have to start a new account and therefore probably. It buy. doesn't lock your your PC account though, right? No, so you can still play. You can on play PC. basically PC, Xbox, Switch, or PC, PS4. Yes, exactly. And a lot of people are calling Sony out on this, and and this isn't new. Like they did it with Rocket League, they've done it with Minecraft, and I think Fortnite is such a big thing right now. And and this isn't this is also not new. Like when Fortnite launched on Xbox One. The issue is still there, but the you know the difference is that a lot of people own either a PS4 or an Xbox One, you know, and a PC. But it's not normal. It's not n the normal case for everyone to own every platform like you or I. Uh, right. But the Switch is very much a second console type experience. You know, it offers different experiences. It's portable. It's got Nintendo games. It's it's very unique. So a lot of people own both. And then you go to like, well, I'll play Fortnite on my console. You know ps4 tv on the go with my switch seems like a perfectly natural fit but uh, unfortunately sony has has blocked that they've taken advantage of their relationship with epic to say like nope if you play on our platform you're locked to these you know these non-competitors you know pc mobile stuff like that and you know it is strictly a business decision like it's not it's not a technical thing like they've got it mm -hmm. working I think it they accidentally activated it like last summer, you know, Epic did, and it works. It's not it's not a technical thing. It's it's literally I think it's literally a flip of the switch from what they've said. It's like it's working. We just need Sony's permission to implement it. Yeah. And and yeah. and you're right about it being a business decision because there was also um a developer who basically tweeted out to say that when he was working with Sony, it was the reason that they stated, albeit internally, and he's clearly not working with Sony anymore, so, mm -hmm. you know, potentially take this with a grain of salt, but did say it was straight up for money. 
is that they didn't want somebody to buy something on an Xbox and then use it on a PlayStation. So, I I mean... It makes sense. Like, I get it. From yeah, a from, from a business perspective, for sure. It definitely makes sense. But, but. It, it makes me... It, to me, it makes me like, oh, I guess I just don't want to... Like, I even thought, well, I'm just going to remove access on the PS4 because I just don't want to play on the PS4. I want to play on my Switch. They won't even let you choose, you know? Mm. If you, like... So, like, once it's locked, it's locked, and whether you uninstall it or whatever, it doesn't matter. They won't let you switch back and forth. They say if you unlink your PS4 account from your Epic account, it will remove your ability to, to log in on the PS4, but it won't remove the ability on uh the the restriction on your account for the switch Mm. so like you're still tied to the ps4 even though i bought it on pc and even if it's not the case the messaging like screams we're deleting your progress we're deleting your account if you do this it's just like i don't even want to touch it because the wording Mm -hmm. is not for gamers it's like it's strictly there to encourage you to not do what you're trying to do which is stop playing on ps4 and play on my Switch or play on your Xbox One. And it's just, it's just, I don't know, man. I, it's really well, frustrating. The thing is, I think the reason why Fortnite is really um, bringing this to the forefront is, first of all, obviously, popularity. Fortnite is wildly popular now with their Battle Royale mode. But I think it's because it's a free-to-play game, which is why this is the, like, I didn't really notice this so much with Rocket League because I was just like, oh, I want to play on a new platform. Of course, I have to buy it again. Like, why would I not have to buy it again? That makes total sense to me. I'm getting another game. <laughs> makes sense. Um, but with Fortnite being free, it takes that part out of the equation. So it's like, well, I don't need to buy it. It's free. So why can't I just play it everywhere? And where the things that I might potentially be paying for our cosmetics it just feels so bad to lose that investment when you're just switching platforms and i can totally understand from a business perspective where sony's saying like hey you just dropped 15 bucks on that skin on your xbox which means that you know microsoft is getting a cut of that and then you come over to playstation and you still have access to that super funky snowsuit i don't know i don't buy cosmetics in Fortnite. i don't even know if there's if there's a snowsuit, I don't even know if there is. But there anyways. is a super funky snowsuit. I, I, I there you yeah, go. can confirm. <laughs> so if you are like then playing on your PlayStation and using those items that you've paid for on your Xbox, Sony doesn't get a cut of any of the that money spent. Hmm. And then but you're still, you know, able to use that content on their platform. So I can see from a business sense how that sucks for them. But it's so anti-consumer and feels so bad for me to like. And it felt the same with Smite when uh, Smite launched on um, Xbox. And it was like, well, I have to like rebuy all my skins. They had like a very short window of time where you could like port everything. Yeah, port everything from your PC account over to your Xbox. But even then, it's like even if you did that port, there's so much more in the game now that it's like. I have to buy skins in two places like this just feels so bad. And it's this new um, this new model of these free games with pay for cosmetic items that is really bringing all of this to the forefront of the conversation now, Mm -hmm. because people know like before, especially before we had digital copies of things and, and Internet accounts for stuff like if I wanted to play a game that was on a disc 
in an Xbox and then I wanted to play the same game like in a Nintendo, then like the discs wouldn't even be the same if we're going back to like GameCube days. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you literally had to purchase two copies and it wasn't a big deal because that's just the way it was. Right. But now it's like there's no reason those those kind of um, physical boundaries don't exist anymore. It's just data. So if I can get it on one system as a consumer, why can't I get it on both? Um, and I can see why this is so anti-consumer and anti-gamer. Yeah. But it's definitely a good business decision from Sony's, like, apparently 79 million PS4 sold. They're not hurting for a player base. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, they've, they're they they're obviously the leader here. So they can, yeah. they can make these bold sort of... Well, they can dictate the terms. Exactly. But the thing is, when you're locked in a room with someone like that, do you really feel like continuing to support them? Because like, sure, they got my Epic account. They've got my uh, exclusive console access to Fortnite. Do you really think I'm going to pay for stuff on the PlayStation? No, I'm going to do it on the PC. Am I going to, for the next game that rolls around, like say, uh, well, actually, I can't think of an example. Minecraft. Let's let's take Minecraft. Am I going to buy Minecraft on the PS4? No. I'm going to buy it on a system that supports crossplay. The Switch or the Xbox One or well, yeah, one of those two, you know? And they all work together for for heaven's sake. Minecraft on the Switch is going to have Xbox achievements. You'll be you'll <laughs> see the Xbox achievement pop up on the Switch. If Nintendo can get along with Microsoft, you know, I, th- I think this is a world we all deserve to live in. You're still going to have your exclusive God of War and your exclusive Halo and your exclusive Mario. And that'll be the reason truly to purchase that system. I don't think locking Fortnite content to your platform is what wins you the generation. You know what it does? It resets your favor with gamers. Like some of the most ultimate PlayStation fans on Twitter that I see pop up on occasion that are just like, rah, rah, PlayStation can do no wrong is saying like this is a mistake you need to fix Mm -hmm. this and really the reason is is because like this has been happening for years sony has been kind of flexing their muscles and you know kind of showing their unwillingness to work with others because they're number one but this is the first occurrence where it's just really gotten out of hand because fortnite's so popular and the switch is so popular and a lot of people own if they own two consoles they own the switch and one of the others so Mm -hmm. It's just, it sucks for Microsoft to be like, this has been happening to us for years. Like, you know, I'm glad people care now, but this has been a problem for a while now. Um, and well, I'm, I was yeah. going to say, so like right now, obviously, because these quotes are coming from Sony and Sony's the, the big guy and Sony has all the users and all the units sold. We're talking about this from a Sony perspective, but does it work the same way if you had logged in on your xbox then are you locked out of the switch or they all play fine no they all play together actually last week when we were recording um we went a little long there was another news story in there where literally there was an advertisement that nintendo put out that was in partnership with microsoft it had a three an xbox one controller in it it had the xbox branding and it was a it was a minecraft um Mm. Uh, no, no, uh, I, I don't mean from, um, I don't mean Minecraft. I mean no, I specifically know. Fortnite. Oh, but yeah, no. They, I my point I was trying to make is that Microsoft and Nintendo are working together on crossplay mm. across across the board. Rocket League, Minecraft, Fortnite, they all work together uh, between systems. Oh, Rocket League 
actually, I'm, I should probably look into that. But I know with Fortnite, you can play your Xbox friends on your Switch and vice versa. Um, you can pull people in from the PC, Xbox One, Switch. They all work together in Battle Royale mode. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure. I know they don't lock your account. So, like, that's mm. a for sure. I don't play a lot of Battle Royale. I just know that what's the real issue here like personally is the locking of the account yeah fortnite's a big game personally it doesn't matter to me if i can't play friend if i can't play people on the ps4 but i guess if you had a friend with a ps4 or even in my case i own a ps4 and a switch i could have someone play on the ps4 and i could play on my portable switch and we could play together in the same room you know clearly the person with the tv as a as a benefit but you know (laughs) there are those scenarios where you could see people wanting to play that way and it's just unfortunately, you know, a little a little bit of a sour note there. But it, the fact that they're commenting on it shows that they're cracking a bit and they're finally realizing like, oh, we're getting some bad press here. We better make it look like. And I, I think eventually, I think by the end of the year, we'll see proper crossplay across the board for Fortnite. There's no way Sony can, can withstand this heat for so long, you know, mm. especially when Epic wants this so badly. And, and so does Microsoft and Nintendo. It's every day they don't show positive momentum like this it's it's not hurting them but it's hurting their sort of their appearance as the for the gamers company and they're they're slipping back into the ps3 days where they're they're getting you know ps2 days where they're getting very arrogant and and kind mm. of like you know i don't know it's I just hope they well, learn and I, from I this. kind of feel like they go through this cycle specifically um, PlayStation and Microsoft, not so much Nintendo. Nintendo's always kind of been in their own little bubble, but I feel like depending on who it, it just this it always happens. It's this wheel yeah. <laughs> and a, like wheel of power. It's like PlayStation comes up, they get arrogant, and then they go back down, and then Xbox takes over, and then they get arrogant, and then PlayStation comes back up again, and it's. Like this is probably going to be the the kind of like peak for PlayStation, and if they're not careful, that wheel's going to keep turning, and then Microsoft's going to be on top again. So yeah, and Nintendo just seems to have a weird hit. They're like the spoke in the middle of the wheel. <laughs> they <laughs> just never. They're just they're just constant. Yeah, you have the N sixty four, then you have the GameCube, then you have the Wii, then you have the Wii U, then you have the Switch. You know, I loved my GameCube. I think where it really got bad was I with did the too. Wii U. I did too, man. Uh, the GameCube I was still my on GameCube. Par. Yeah. Yeah. GameCube is excellent. It's pretty rad. It had Buffy on it. It was guys. purple. It had Buffy. And I, hey, I had the purple one and I carried it around by the handle because that's what you did. You know? <laughs> I had the black one, man. I was sleek. <laughs> I was jealous of the orange one. Looked like a pumpkin spice muffin. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> that's going to do it for us this week, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. You can just visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash The Gamers In. We did change the time. Ryan had some scheduling conflicts a little earlier in the night with some kids that don't like to go to sleep. They so. went to sleep perfectly today, actually. So <laughs> Of course they did. <laughs> as soon as we made the decision to change the show, time of the show. Uh, so yeah, Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash in, And the VODs are available after the fact over on Twitch. Uh, if you'd like to email the show and let us know what you're playing, you can do so at info at gamersinpodcast.com. Thanks for staying at The Gamers In. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. <laughs>